Hi, everyone. There we go. Go ahead. Uh, hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out another episode of Jeremiah Talks. Here I am with the beautiful Aaron Strickland. That's nice of you. Yeah, thank you. Thank uh, you. We we have another wonderful episode that we're very excited about. We are talking about... My trip to Alabama. Uh, our new single, Everything is Beautiful. Yes. My most latest dental appointment. Yes. Our collective dent of dental appointment. Yes. And shows... Or not shows coming that's, up in the that's future. That's what we're trying. It's a it's like the worst form of roulette. Are we having uh, shows? Are we not. But no. speaking of shows, if you were in Athens or Atlanta, we are playing this weekend. We're playing Friday at the Lewis Room in downtown Athens. Athens. And we are playing at Sweetwater on Sunday. Brewery. Brewery. Whoa, that's how you say that word. Brewery. Um, for Atlanta's branch of the is it branch or the arm of NPR? W A B E. It's Twig. We are playing at uh, Sweetwater Brewing. We, we're not sure the time yet. Uh, but Anytime between 1 to 5. Yes. And it's free. So come hang out if it's you can. It's free? Nuh-uh. Yeah. They have it's great free. beer there. Yeah. It's a great time. Yeah. Uh, we, we are honored that you're listening to this episode, and we hope that you enjoy Oh Jeremiah Talks. Let's go. I wanted to be you talking on the intro. I know. We're feeling together. Yeah. Okay, so they don't know that you've been gone, but I'm very happy that you're back in this room with me. They don't even know. They don't even know. You've been gone for a week, just about. No, four nights. Oh, my gosh. Okay, four nights. Wait, babe. 72 I like hours. To, I like to talk about it. Okay, so that's go ahead. Not, that's not 72 hours. So you went, you went to Alabama. You've been in Alabama. I did. I had some serious family time. You, yeah, very serious family time. Yeah, I, I feel like I got one-on-one time with almost everyone in my family, which is a lot. You're a very, you have a very close family. Yeah. Like they're very intimately close to each other. I was thinking other. about it and I was like, wait, do I? And I was like, yeah, we are really close. Whenever I went to pick you up from your mom, she said, hey, can we get lunch? I would love to bond with Jeremiah. Is exactly <laughs> what she said. And we're like, don't you have a meeting to get back yeah. to? And my, she texted me and was like, I pushed the meeting back an hour. <laughs> yeah. My, my family is like, okay, we will see you eat lunch and talk about the tv shows we're watching but your mom was like i need to bond with you well it was like the it was the first trip that we had done in a while i think since my nana passed that like i came down without you and so my mom was like oh no i don't know how jeremiah's doing i need to connect with him yeah which i actually thought was really sweet no your mom is like the sweetest most thoughtful woman on on earth we talked oh go ahead no it just it was just funny because in my family dynamic it's it's we're not as intimate and open with each other. It's more of a classic. Uh, we see each other at Thanksgiving, and yeah. it's all like, I mean, have you seen the new Marvel? For my mom, every minute is like an opportunity for connection. Yes. All the time. And your little introverted self was she like talks tuckered all, out. She talks nonstop. Yeah. And, and your little really introverted funny. heart was just And I have to fire. be like, okay, mom, I need to go sit by myself for a minute. No one look at me or talk to me. Actually, I had a really good time, and I... Uh, exercised a lot of my growth in needing to have alone time and like I went to the Fairhope library in a coffee shop and got some work done which was like so good for me in a lot of ways I love to do things by myself and Fairhope is just the most charming town it really is it's one of the best southern towns I agree I didn't really realize it growing up because you know you're in it and but now every time I go visit family, I'm like, oh, I have to go into downtown Fairhope just because it's so it's so awesome. Um, but I also yeah. like that we're kind of in this hip coffee fying of America where like 
it it just because you're in a small town doesn't mean you won't see the dopest coffee shop. And Fairhope has like ten now. Yeah, they're crushing it. Yeah. Uh, also, got to catch up with my dad. We drove into town together, and he picked up some tractor parts, and that was fun. Um, <laughs> Little farm errand. I know. And then <clears throat> we had to wait till it was raining, though, of course, because he's like in his busiest season. I learned a lot about what he's going through. He said that for the first time in his life, first time, and he started the farm when he was 18, and he is 60-something now. I can't do the math. Sorry. Um, when was Alaska a state? 59. So that means he's 62. Sorry. Okay. That's my favorite That's my favorite factoid about your dad is that his, he was born the same year that Your Alaska dad was did. too. No, I know. But, but I learned, I they told me that in third grade and I was really into what year my parents were born. And I, don't, I just like wanted to know that. And I just like carried that fact with me forever. Like I always thought it was so funny. Um, but no, my dad told me since he started the farm whenever he was 18 and he's 62 now. So that's, a, he's been doing it for a long time. For the first time in his career, he had the thought a couple weeks ago, should I have done this career? Wow. It was the first time he'd ever thought it. Wow. Because he's like, what am I, is it, is it, it's not even, is it worth it? Wow. And then he, he was in a funk for a couple of weeks, or that's what he calls it. And he was like, but then, you know, I'm always reminded, like, if I didn't do this, then I would have always wondered what my life would have been like. And he's like, and I never had to wonder because I did what I wanted to do. Yeah. So I thought I that was think very interesting. I don't think there's any level of success that a human being can do a job at from 18 to 62 to yeah. where they don't think that. Isn't that, but he told me it was the first time he'd ever thought it though. And that's remarkable. Kind of is. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Because he's like, he's got a little farm, he he works on it all the time, but you can tell he's like, this is what I wanted my life to be. Totally. I think age is kept catching up to him, and he's kind of thinking, I need to slow down, but have I set myself up to ever slow down? Right. Which is a similar thing that my dad That your has. dad thinks, yeah. yeah. So he's just kind of talking through what... Um, what he wants his life to be like. And it was just, it was a good conversation. Um, of course, I got to bond with my niece and nephew, which is great. My mom, I think I talked about this the last time I went home on the podcast. My mom had baby chickens. Chickens are grown and laying eggs now. Only a couple of them are. You can tell by the size of their bottoms. And <laughs> they got that fat butt. They do. It's like, and babe, I learned all the names of the chickens and the kids know them. Okay. Isn't that bananas? I don't know. Name them. Lovey won't let you pick her up, and I don't know that I don't pick the animals up. But my niece Addie loves these chickens so much, and she picks them up and like hugs them, and they love her. Isn't that weird? I mean, I've never seen chickens go up to a person and be like, "I love you, please pet me." With a name um, like Lovey, I mean, but obviously she, her favorite one is Lovey, and that's the only chicken that won't let her pick her up. <laughs> oh, she wants what she can't have. Um, Lovey, Foo Foo, Diamond, Scratchy. There's eight. Okay, so we're at four. Wait, Diamond, Fufu. Diamond, Fufu, Lovey, <laughs> Chocolate. Oh, good one. Scratchy. I'm missing dingle a red don't, one. Dingle Don't. No. Foop. I forgot the rest. Okay. Um, But those kids love them. They know how to take them out. Like they go out of their pen and like kind of free range, get some grass and worms and stuff. And if they, my mom has to watch them whenever they're like, 
grazing in the yard out of their cage because there's been a hawk that's been circling their house lately, ready to swoop down and grab oh, one that of those is, chickies. That will be some for real trauma for the niece and nephew. Oh, I know. The first time a chicken gets gobbled up by a hawk. Tell me about it. That is some like nature channel. Tell me about it. Disturbia for sure. Yeah. So I went to Costco. I've only ever been there like once and man, did I have a good time. Yeah. You, you just had a great Alabama trip. That was as good as it gets. It was a it was a really good trip. Um, and then you survived without me. You kept our dog alive, which is your number one concern. Yeah, I so I, I, th- I have all of these like, I'm I'm gonna be a bachelor for a week vibes. Oh, love that because I, I think like oh I'm gonna watch a Quentin Tarantino movie. I'm gonna eat my chips open mouth without pants on. Like I'm just gonna be a guy. Brr. Life without me sounds really fun. It's it's a hoot. Yeah. And instead, I just like. I laid around and every day and text me all day and I text you all day. It was just like (laughs) you think that you think that you're going to be one thing. And then whenever it actually comes to fruition, you're like, oh, I'm actually kind of (laughs) sleepy. I'm just going to I'm just not going to do it. When you were gone at the beginning of the year, I kind of had the same thing. Like eventually I got into my rhythm and I was like pretty comfortable. But for the most part, I didn't ever really make dinner for myself. I just had chips and a bunch of dip. Yeah. Like I had like a smorgasbord of like five different dips from Trader Joe's that I would just eat from every night. We don't talk enough about how fun it is to say smorgasbord. I hadn't said it in a while. When you said it, I was like, wow, she really, she went for the top shelf with that one. So. But we're um, back. We're 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 back. We're watching. We need to watch the Olympics together again. Is the Olympics still going on? Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Our girl Simone. She came back. She came back. She won bronze, which I love. I love Simone. Yeah. Uh, I think. That we, as people, will argue about anything. And we need to chill. We need to just chill. <laughs> like, let our girl tumble and then let her, when she needs to take a break, let her take a break. We don't have to fight and about everything. And then let everything. her fumble. Yeah. We don't have to fight about everything. Yeah. Like, do, I can't even yeah, why do are a we backflip about... on a trampoline. I've never, oh, here's a secret. I never learned how to do a cartwheel. Yeah, me either. No one teach me. The idea that I can <laughs> sit on my couch and be like, Simone is a quitter. Like, I... The other thing is, I don't think about gymnastics for every, for four years. Like, when this goes away, I'm going to forget gymnastics is a sport until the next time I see Simone Biles. So, I heard that uh, breakdancing is going to be in the next Summer Olympics. Oh, finally. I, I wonder how they're going to measure that. Can you imagine? Yeah. That, that's finally my sport. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm going to crush it. Bring um, home the gold for these folks. Okay. Yeah. Maybe not. That gives me hope that any sport could be in the Olympics. Like Olympic hacky sacking. I mean. That sounds great. One day. Like, could you imagine that? But I, I don't know. I, 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 the Simone I'd argue drama, that breakdancing is pretty complicated. Oh, out of the gate, it's going to be bananas. Yeah. Like they showed, we saw this video of like what gymnastics was whenever the Olympics started and what it is now. Yes. And it's like they would do like a cartwheel and then they'd squat and then that would be the whole routine. And it would but be in now, like slow motion. But now it looks like Captain Marvel somersaulting through the air <laughs> and she they go up into space and they come back down and it's just like mm, 6.5. It's just like, it's so, it's so different now. 6.5. But I wonder what breakdancing, what the what the bar is going to be. Like, how do you oh, know well. what a perfect 10 is if you haven't even seen the sport yet? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. How do you know? Like, what if a team comes out and executes a perfect Macarena? Like, would that get, you know what I mean? Like, with their feet. With, wait, with their feet. What? As their arms. 
What are you? What? Get it? Like, I wish that this was a video podcast. I wish this was a video. I'll enter. So, uh, um, that were... actually strained my thighs more than I thought it would. Uh, <laughs> sorry. My thighs finally healed from soccer. Uh, it took like a week and a half. You mean your groin? Yeah, my, my, my fundal bundle. No. <laughs> no. No, what did you call it? Your. I called it my groin house? Your fun house. My fun house. The landing pad. Yeah, like whatever whatever weird metaphor you want to use. Like that's there's what, all of them. Yeah, we should probably stop talking about it. Okay. Um, and then let's go ahead and catch up on what the thing we're going to talk about today. Oh, let's jump into we have a brand new song out. Every ting. Uh, stop it. Okay. For, Can we let's explain start, that? No, let's Can we start explain th- that? Let's start there. I'm so, so sorry that that happened. When um, you're an independent more band. More than anything, I'm so sorry that I didn't catch it. Well, when I'm you're pretty embarrassed. Indi- when you're an independent band, you have to cut corners in places. Like editing. Can, uh, no. I'm just joking. Yeah, like in in anything, it's just like what can we afford to do? And what I did not want to skimp on was the musicians. I didn't want to skimp on the mixing, the production. Like I wanted to go that's where we put our money. And for this particular batch of songs, I said, "You know what? I'm going to do the single art." So I came in and I was cocky because I came up with the concept for the You were jo- so proud. I came up with the concept of the Joymonger album art and it came out great to me. I thought it was awesome. You cut up those little construction paper stars with all your heart. So all your soul. And the single art photography for Everything is Beautiful is great, but I misspelled it. I did not I did not I, like you looked at it. I got another designer to look at it, and no one saw that it was every ting is beautiful. Every, every ting, every ting is beautiful. I'm so be- sorry that that yeah. happened. So I had to submit it. Hopefully, by the time you're hearing this podcast, uh, it will have been fixed. Well, when did they say it would be fixed? They haven't even answered me yet. So it, and I'm how, glad also, this is, how did they miss it? It's not well, their they job. don't, they, it's not their job. Maybe they thought it was part of a bit. Yeah. And if you don't know, when you were when you upload a song to a distributor. It's like throwing your song into a big machine that just takes off. And, and you're like, good luck, little buddy. Yeah, because the first like the first or second time we did it, uh, the song didn't even release. <laughs> and I didn't even know that it wasn't going to release. We woke up thinking, yay, our song's going to be That's out. That's why we stay up till midnight now every time. It's not just celebratory. It's... Uh, Double checking? Yeah, it's like... A, I don't... Yeah. It's like a it's, safety measure. Yes, there we go. But... Precaution. Yeah, so we stay up every night at midnight. And we, like, celebrate that our new song's out. Yay, it's like a thing that we do. I fell asleep last night. You did. You fell asleep at 10.30. You're so mad. I was like, okay, cool. I'm having a party by myself. Well, Jeremiah, I was tired. Yeah. No, that's clear to me. Okay. So I celebrated by myself and and rung in the new year of Everything is Beautiful. Didn't you text our friend? Was he awake? Yeah. Okay. Our friend stayed up. Then you weren't technically alone. They've got an 18-month-old, and they'll stay up with me, but... My girl oh, E was out. Well, they're in a different time zone, so... What does that have to do with anything? He only stayed up till 11. Well, so Everything is Beautiful was the first song that we recorded during pandemic. And it was... It's whenever everything was not beautiful. Everything was not beautiful at all. <laughs> and I, it's the first O.J. Jeremiah co-write. 
Like, it's the only song that we have in our catalog that was written with another person, which is something that I want to do more of. I really like the the co-writing. Tell us about the person that helped you write it. So Quinn is one of my first, he was one of my first music friends. We I was in a band called the Mount Rushmores. Yeah, he met you on the road with a different band. Yeah, I was, the band before O. Jeremiah was a band called the Mount Rushmores, and we opened for his band, and he and I clicked really well, and we saw a lot of ourselves in each other. And it helps then that you're both bald. We're both bald. We are both Caucasian. Bearded. Bearded. And we're both sevens on the Enneagram. We're both seven wing sixes on the Enneagram. We really saw each other. Yeah. So we have so much of the same tendencies. And so we really, really clicked. And that was 12 years ago. <laughs> oh, my word. Yeah. That's how long Quinn and yeah, I have been Yeah, because I've known you for 10 years. Yeah. Well, nine. Yeah. I've, I'm, I've known Quinn longer than you, which is, which is wild. Are you drinking coffee? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah, I just miss it. Yeah. I I wish I need you to start paying me a dollar every time you say that because like you you say it all the time now. Well, I'm on day like 17 or something stupid. So he and I have been friends for 12 years. Yep. And when pandemic hit, every musician had that what the heck now kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So one of the early things I thought was, "Hey, what if I try to have collaboration over Zoom?" And we zoomed in, and this was the first song that we wrote together. It was basically, hey, at the time, it was, pandemic's probably going to last like a month. Can we have like a celebratory, this is this is our getting out of pandemic song? <laughs> and we thought we would release it in like April of last year. Oh, no. And here we are, Delta, Lambda. What's the other one? Gamma is coming. So now there's like all these variants out there. But... It was really fun because that first writing session was so easy and the song came out. He like we just we came up with a riff, we came up with a hook, and it just like it all kind of like happened. And I don't have a way to record drums, so I called my my friend Greg, who we've played with. He's toured with us before. He's he's a great drummer and he's one of my favorite people on earth. And it started with he and I bouncing ideas back and forth of like, hey, what could this song be? And he came up with the idea of the party drum. all the latin feels for the song and then the next thing i knew we were emailing musicians from across the country to try to figure out what the song needs to be yeah a lot of people worked on this song a lot of people worked on the song it takes so much it takes a village to make a song sometimes yeah um sometimes it doesn't take anyone just bo burnham that is true um did you like that reference i thought you Mm -hmm. um jeremiah has anyone tagged us in it and like corrected how to spell everything? I I, I shouldn't have even told you because I knew that was gonna. This is what the podcast is gonna be now. It's it gonna be poke it. fun at Jay. I'm not. No, babe. I'm mad at myself too. I edit everything that you do. Yeah, you even edited that, and you did. You didn't even catch it. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the way I found out because I didn't even know someone. The the guy that like looked it over was like, "Hey, you you misspelled everything." Did he comment? No, he just, he texted me privately. Do you think anyone would like share it and then cross it out and put the correct spelling on top? We can see. I don't know. Man, I really hope they update it. Yeah. Should you just make a post that's like, hey, I know? No. Everything. Everything. It reminds me a lot of what we started out as a band because it's like very kind of like stompy clappy. It's like that post Mumford vibe. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we kind of like went the other way with a lot of our other music. Like when you listen to Blue Light and you listen to this song, you can tell that we are a band that has like a, a different spectrum of things that we're into. 
but it was really fun getting back into that headspace and kind of getting back to like we spent a lot of time in the apartment clapping on into microphones, which we haven't done in a minute. Remember you know? whenever you said sound like a different person when you sing the buddhas? And so I went like straight, like super low octave. Yeah, yeah. And you were like, Whoa, that's too different. Yeah. But if you listen carefully, you'll hear a stranger on the pod on the uh, not the podcast, a stranger on the song. That's me. Yes. Aaron did accents for all the ba da ba da ba ba da da. Yeah, sure did. Yeah, it's just Aaron and I doing that. It sounds like twenty people, but it's just Aaron and I it's doing just, impressions in the background. Twenty me's. Yeah. Um my friend Camila texted me about this song and she was like, Oh, I love the brass. Like she loved it. Yeah. So we went. We played some shows with Josiah Johnson, uh, one of the founding members of Head in the Heart, and he had this trumpet player with him. That's who that was. Yeah, and I we hit it off with him really well. He was so good, and I can't imagine going through a pandemic as a musician in any other era. Like the idea of because you couldn't even go into studios. All the studios were closed. But I we met him. I emailed him and I said, dude. I know we only met at those shows, but could you record on the song? And he was like, yeah, I've got a ribbon microphone. Just send me the track and I'll lay horns down on it. And he sent back like 15 tracks of him playing with all these ideas. Very quickly. Very quickly. And I just, I marveled at technology and how far technology has come. Yeah. I remember even when I was in college, how like, how far away it all seemed to record in your own apartment. But it's come so far in those 10 years or whatever that you can literally send an email out and, and amazing brass tracks come back to you. It's amazing. I like the keys playing on this especially. Yep. Ben Tanner played. So Ben Tanner has a studio in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. And he is somebody I've never met him. But we send him the track. He sent us his tracks back. It's just a really interesting time to be a musician because you can do everything remotely. It's really, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel whenever you listen to it? Do you want me to tell you the honest truth? Yeah. I wish I would have fought more for my vocals to be louder. Mm-hmm. They're se- they seem so soft. Maybe it's because I'm listening from it fi- my phone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it, it's interesting for me when I listen to it. Because, because we always fight for that. Yeah, that doesn't sound... Because, like, we all... That is a big thing in our band is... The band is the two of us. And our yeah. vocal... And, and I think even symbolically, whenever we say our vocals need to be the same volume... Like, I think that that matters to us. I don't know how we let it get away from us on that one. But at the same time, it sounds really good. Yeah, because like, you're I'm also not, doubled on it, aren't you? I can't tell. I can't either. True. But yeah, I. it was a weird part for me to sing because I had to like go into my head voice for some of the notes. And I don't do the transition to that very uh, smoothly. So, but it was still kind of like, oh, I forgot this was what it ended up being like whenever it like released and I heard it this morning, but um, still overall like really happy with it. Do you know when we're releasing the live video? Uh, probably next, pr- probably. I figured like next week. Probably when this comes out, it'll probably be like the Monday after. Because live, like obviously we, we're not horn players. Like we have to play, I have to play the theme on violin. Yeah. And it, the theme is technically the chorus. The the t- Yep. The theme is the chorus. I almost said the team. The team is the chorus, and wonder why. Easy. Uh, it reminds me whenever we play it, the two of us. I'm like chugging along. Yes. The song's in open G, and it's kind of like a, a romp, and it's kind of like a just trucking along. Steady. Steady. A steady thing. Yeah. yeah. And when you play the theme on a on violin, it reminds me of Yellow Card, which was one is of my. Is that because someone told you that? Or someone told me that and pointed it out, and I was like, oh, no wonder I like this so much. Oh. 
Yeah, it's a weird part to play on violin. Yeah, it sounds very Yellow Cardy. Yellow Card is a pop punk band from the early 2000s, and they had a, an electric violinist in their band. That was their shtick. What was his name? I don't know. But he was... Love that. Yeah, he was really great, and all of their shows was him jumping around and playing violin, and he would sing, and it was just, like, super cool. What if I started jumping at shows only whenever I play that song? I think that would be great. Yeah. Yeah, so those are my thoughts on it. I really like it. It is an it's an unusual format of a song because instrumentally is the chorus. They're just so weird. Yeah, it was really so. The second verse is is really interesting because I remember whenever we were writing the song, it was whenever all the bars were closing, and we wrote verse two in like the the story is in a bar because we were like, let's remember what that feels like because we can't right now. Yeah. And there's like, uh, I can't hear your sentiment over your best friend's laugh. And I wrote that song. I wrote that line because like the last memory I had in a bar was you and your friend Katie. And like I told her like her laugh is like so fun and it's so loud and she like laughs with everything that she has. And I remembered us being at normal two years ago now. Mm -hmm. And we were all in there. You were throwing darts or whatever. And Katie was like laughing really loud. And it was just like, I, that is so, so, I can picture it so well in my memory. I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, I can picture it so well because I wrote the song when it was still fresh in my mind. And I think my brain has like etched that into my memory because it attached to the song, which is super interesting. It's a good line. Yeah, because I, I feel every time I sing that song, I'm back at Normal Bar, which is our favorite bar in town. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah, and it like looks out onto Prince Avenue, and it just—it's so visual to me. I can just see it. I have a hard time singing the song because how did I not know that? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Because whenever you're like co-writing or when you're writing a song, you're trying to figure out what's the story we're trying to tell. Right. And our whole our whole idea was let's write a song about hope. And at that moment, the thing I was hoping for was I just want things to go back to normal. Yeah. Like I want things to be back. I want to go back to normal bar. I want to see all my friends and I want to hold on to the hope that everything can be beautiful and it will be. And that's that's what we tried to execute. And I like it's just funny that that's the picture that the song is for me. Yeah. Can you can you explain the hurricane glass? Yes. So uh, hurricane glass is uh, that's a throwback to our New Orleans days. But so oceans turning over in a hurricane glass. That's what people drank out of. Like, it's like a just we're having fun. We're like drinking and we're like hanging out. And but everything is beautiful in it. Oh, that's just like a that's just like a throwback to the to the opening line. Yeah. And it's just so funny because I remember the first time I presented it to you, you were like, I hate the word hurricane. You're like, I hate singing that word. I don't hate the word. It's just weird to sing it. I like I like it. Oh, can I tell you a very innocent thing that happened? What? So hurricanes are named, right? Yeah. Um. Addie asked me, my niece asked me about tornadoes, and she goes, we were telling her about a bad tornado in Hattiesburg that we went through, Yeah. and she was like, what was its name? Aw. And I was like, oh, tornadoes aren't named like hurricanes are, but I thought that was a very good question. I guess because there's way more tornadoes. And they're very short-lived. Yeah. Wasn't that a good question, though? That's a great question, because I think one hurricane can spin off like 10 tornadoes or something. Yeah, I didn't want to tell her that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, we'd run out of... She was like, what's it like? And I'm like, well, well you're not going to like this. I have a hard time singing Everything is Beautiful because it doesn't feel like... Because can, I can definitely hear Quinn's voice on the song. And 
like he helped sculpt the melody to be what it was. Right. And he made choices that I wouldn't have made. And my voice feels like I can tell that a lot of times when I write a song, I write a melody because of the way that it feels. So I feel like I'm singing his melody. Mm-hmm. And it feels like, almost like at times the song feels like a cover song. And I edit based on how it sounds. Yeah. And for a while I didn't like singing the word hurricane. Yeah. I got over it. Yeah. Well. Well. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I feel I feel really great about it. Uh, I'm I'm excited to have another song out. I have better expectations this time because when we released Joymonger, I was just like, we were so bummed because we couldn't tour. And now it's just kind of fun just to be like, hey, this is what we worked on. Here's a little something. Here's a little something. Yeah, that's how I feel. Okay, well, let's jump over to Patreon. Yeah, I also, well, we can, instead of saying what we're into, I just wanted to give the people a quick update. On? Dental. Okay. Did I share this? I don't know. About not having any cavities? So we went to the dentist. What? And what are you laughing at? The the level of hypochondria you have specifically with the dentist Jeremiah, is... I haven't had a clean experience in the dentist in five years. Uh, dis- disagree. You had one a week ago, okay. and I'm about to tell the story. So we go to so we go to the dentist, and I love going to the DMV or to the dentist or whatever and making someone's day. Because everyone in the room is not having a good day. I've never walked into the dentist and been like, this is about to be a good time. So we go in and it's the two of us, which... But you also don't dread it, which is confusing to me. I don't dread it. Yeah, I don't dread it. But we're in the dentist chair and it's the size of a... Explain that. Yeah. It's the size of like a a closet, basically. No, I say explain. They said, hey, do y'all want to have your appointments together? Right. Who so, does that? Right. So the two of us and our dental cleaning lady. Hygienist. Hygienist. Were in a room about the size of a big closet. And we were just sitting there and you were watching me get my teeth cleaned. That felt insane to me. Yeah. They just really thought we wanted to bond. We booked our appointment together. I think they thought it was unusual that a husband and wife did that. And I think there's no one more powerful than a dental hygienist whenever you're the one under the gun because they can make you feel so small. I know. Like every time, it doesn't matter how well I do. They're like, so have you ever heard of flossing? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you know, I'm 31. I'm going to do it when I remember to do it. I'm not going to change who I am at this point. Oh, man. But I get under there, no cavities, feeling great. They throw my x-rays up and they're like, wow, these are teeth. And then uh, I hop up, you get down. I'm terrified. You're terrified. You're like, your hands are shaking. And for the first time, the dentist comes in before you even get cleanings. And that's my least favorite part is whenever the dentist tells me what's wrong. Yes. Because I feel wrong. And the dentist comes in. She's wearing a face mask. I immediately can tell you're nervous. Duh. Yeah. And she comes in. The people know my story. You open your mouth and she goes, oh my gosh, do you whiten your teeth? No, she said you have beautiful teeth. And I was like, what? Yeah. She said, you have beautiful teeth. Do you whiten them? Do you you, (laughs) self-whiten? And you said no. And I was like, that is some like next level complimenting oh, I was a dentist so being touched. like do you pay money to make them this because whenever she said you have beautiful teeth i was like yeah whatever you're supposed to say that but then whenever she said no really she literally was like paused and was like no but like do you self-whiten and i was like no but thank you like it was just like i was like there's no way this woman is telling me that i have good teeth right and then she said i had no cavities and i almost cried from joy yeah so here's oh go ahead no go ahead so if you've been keeping up with my dental journey uh, you know, it's been a really hard, it's a hard, it's been a very hard five years for me getting it under control. I went from having no cavities my whole life to 
five years of just mayhem, okay? That's the quickest way to say it. Well, whenever I started getting into the nutrition world, I was really hopeful and convinced that if I got my digestion under control or better balanced with the um, the with all the like things that I'm learning in this program, that it would that my teeth would be in better health because my theory was if your saliva remineralizes your teeth and your gut is not in good health, then that saliva is not going to be in good health. So if my uh, everyone says the statement like you are what you eat, but what I actually like to say is that you are what you absorb because. If you're eating a really beautiful plate of nutritious food, but you're not absorbing any of those things properly, then your body is just going to rid itself of those nutrients that you need. Or it's going to pull them from your more outward like defense mechanisms like your skin and your hair and your teeth and your nails. It's going to pull those nutrients that you need and give it to the gut because that is top priority, right? Over what you look like. (laughs) So, well, your body acts that way. So I was very convinced that, and I was hopeful, but I also wasn't 100% certain. Do you know, it was a theory I had. Yeah. And, um, I have, I would say like, I feel like my health has improved significantly over the past like six months. I noticed like a significant difference in my skin. And so this dentist appointment was like, am I going to notice a difference in my teeth? And whenever she said she saw nothing wrong, I was like, I am so happy. I cannot believe that this just happened. And, um, yeah, she went to clean my teeth and she was basically like, I don't really have to do anything because you've lost so much. And I was like, yeah, I know. And then whenever we left, you were, you said, Jeremiah, what if they were looking at your x-rays and they said that I didn't have cavities, but they were talking about you. (laughs) And I said, you have real trauma when it comes to the dentist. It's true. Yeah. You know that. Because you will you will talk yourself into anything. I know. I yeah. just wanted I didn't want to get too excited. Well, because I've because the first time I went to that horrible dentist, he said I had nothing wrong. And then you know what happened a year later, everything was wrong. Yeah. So I, I so I doubt thing like I'm skeptical of it now. Yeah. But this was a she was a was very competent dentist in her in I her thirties. And that man was a thousand. I know, babe, but like, I still have reason to question. Anytime someone doesn't give you x-rays because he assumes you can't afford them, even we're even when we're now going... Now we know that's a red flag. Yeah. And we're going, no, no, we have insurance. Like, we pay for we're, insurance. Yeah, but is someone telling you that your teeth look great, you're not going to argue with them. Yeah, because well, we love compliments. I ar- but I did argue with this lady. But, um, yeah. Can I also give another quick update while I'm on nutrition? Sure. Um. I just wanted, so I'm like a little bit over halfway done with my program. I have had people reach out to me asking um, if I'm like, when I'm going to start taking clients. And I just, can I say it on here? Is that weird? I don't know if like anyone. I mean, you're almost, you're almost finished saying saying it. it, Yeah. Yeah. So um, I will have, I will accept clients in January. Nice. I'm going to accept a certain number. I haven't decided that magical number yet of how many people 40... I can no. Oh, sorry. Of how many people I can balance at once, but um, as soon as I get a wait list ready, I will post that to my Instagram, and maybe like Facebook or something, and you can get on that wait list if you'd like to work with me. I'm going to do like a discounted rate, a super discounted rate at the beginning, but right now I'm uh, completely booked up with practice clients. I just wanted to say that. Yeah, she has 67 practice clients. No, I do not. She has no time for anything. 
<laughs> She's actually on a call right now. <laughs> That's okay. not true. I just wanted to say that. I'm no, excited, but there we go. Okay, let's jump over to Patreon. You don't want to say what you're into? Olympics? No. Y'all, I love I love the show Dave so much. Oh. And it's I, getting... I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. It it entered my top three favorite shows this week. After the episode. Like, I, I totally get that. I I love Succession. I love True Detective Season 1. And I love Fleabag. But Dave has... Is, Mirror of Easttown? Is that up there? No. Um, oh. I did like Mirror of Easttown. But to me, Mirror of Easttown is something that I only want to watch once. Like, if I love something, I need to watch it as many times until I, like, really love it. Yeah. I would say Dave... Maybe over Fleabag, if I'm if I'm being honest, which is big talk, because I loved Fleabag. Whoa! And that may just be this week, but it is exactly my taste. And this new episode was so good, and I felt like the first half of the season was only okay. Where I was like, man, this is such a bummer. He had a great first season, and this is only kind of okay. And then they get to the bar mitzvah episode, which is like episode five, yeah. and it felt like, oh. They're back. This is the show. This is what I want it to be. And then we had a couple more episodes that were solid, really good. We enjoyed them a lot. But this new episode, the uh, the basic idea is Dave goes to meet Rick Rubin and, like, write with him because he has writer's block. And it it was like a Murakami novel and therapy for me all in one. It was so powerful like, and my jaw was open the whole time, the way they executed the episode. Let's just, can we just talk about it for a minute? Yeah. and Yeah. So if, if you haven't seen it, go see it before you listen to this, maybe. Yeah. It is the best depiction of a dream I have ever seen. It's amazing. Ever. It's amazing. Like, I, he goes in a sleep deprivation tank. Yep. And that's whenever he's supposed to like check out and like get to the root of his ego and like his, like what's actually stripped down what's going on. Like what's the root of what's happening to him. And it literally, I would say it depicts a dream. Yeah. No, and that, it absolutely and it, what it does. And it's so, it's so perfectly done. Yeah. But it also was so hilarious. I was cracking up at the end of the episode. Well, it it's so interesting because in the sleep deprivation tank, in the dream, he ends up meeting his ego. <laughs> and, how did they do that? It does such an amazing job, like, having a conversation, like, Dave and Dave having a conversation, but he's actually talking to you, the viewer, or you, the artist, or whoever whoever the you is. Yeah. And he, like, he hit me with so many things that I've been struggling with, so many things that I battle with on a daily basis. Oh, just don't overthink things. Yeah, yeah. just don't overanalyze. You are enough just just go be that. Get out yeah. of your head. You can be those, anything you want to be. And the other thing is, like, quit letting other people tell you what you're supposed to be. And then also, whenever he's cooking in the kitchen with Gator. Gator oh. It's Gator. Gator. Okay. Yeah. And, and he's like, he's like, the only seasoning we have is salt. And he's like, yeah, man, everyone loves salt. Like, sometimes you just got to use what everyone loves. Yeah. That was such, like, a basic, like, simple. And then the scene with his mom who becomes Allie. Yeah. I thought that was really well done. Amazing. Because like, that's how a dream does. Like one second you're talking to your sister and then all of a sudden it becomes your ex and you're like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And there's, there's moments in Dave where it gets like a little too gross for me. 
Where I'm like, did you have to? The the cooking his friend was disgusting. Disgusting. But it was also very dreamlike where you're like, dude, I had this dream where like I cooked you. It was super weird. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's what they didn't. They definitely whenever they ate it, that grossed me out really yeah. bad. And I was like, did they take it too far? But then they left it pretty quickly to where you were like, OK, we're still in dream world. Let's go to something else. Yes. But I when, when the episode ended and we paused it, I have not stopped thinking about it since. Well, that last scene, whenever he finally overcomes his writer's block and it's just like, get me in the studio now. Yes. That was so cool. I had, I had chills all over. Me too. Like yeah. that was. He just goes, he goes, hit record, hit record, hit record. And then he just start, and it just flows out of him. How he wakes up from the dream is like so realistic because that's what happens to you. you like, you're like in the dream and you're like having some weird bodily thing happening yes. to you. And you're like, oh, I need to wake up from that. Yes. Yeah. So, I, the story of Lil Dicky. <laughs> About how he's like a funny rapper and he makes these like really wild music videos and then becomes who he is. I just, he is heroic to me. Like just the the level of execution that he has is just so great. How long was his career before he like got noticed? No clue. It doesn't seem from the show that it was that long. No, I agree. Seems like it was a pretty quick success. So, yeah, Dave is the thing that I'm into this week because of the last episode. Yeah, I, I was shocked by how much I enjoyed it. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, okay, let's jump over to Patreon. Okay. Okay.